We've been doing this series, and this is the, the last week of this little mini three-week service, service called uh, Who We Are. It, it's a chance at the beginning of a new season to recalibrate and recenter the church, to make sure that we are constantly and consistently trying to live out the values of Jesus, to make sure that, that the things that mattered most to him matter to us, and to prevent too much drift. And you'll remember that, uh, that we've latched on to three sort of catchwords or sayings to, uh, to take us through the week. And if you, if you didn't remember them, you probably saw them on the sign on the way in. So let's have you say them with me. Week one, everybody's welcome. Week two, nobody's... Well, you're perfect in getting that one anyway. And this morning, anything is possible. One of the most remarkable and famous things that Jesus said was just that. With God, anything is possible, or all things are possible. My question today, though, as we launch into that last of that three-week service or survey, is do our prayers reflect the belief that that's true? That when we pray, are we praying to an anything-is-possible God with the idea that there is nothing that's too audacious or grand to be able to take to our Creator. I believe, and this is the sort of the presumption that, that undergirds our sermon this morning, I believe that God makes us in such a way that, 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 that we're wired to dream big dreams. We're wired for significance. We want our life to matter for something. We're wired to, to, to sort of imagine that God can use us. And it's not just that we're thinking about what I could do, but eventually our prayers turn in the direction of what must I become in order to do what God needs me to do, in order to become the kind of man or woman through whom God can work in the world. I believe that we need a dream that's big enough that God can stretch us, that's noble enough that we can honor God with our lives, and that's real enough that it's worth devoting our lives to. So here's the question. How's your dream going? How's your dream going? Because this also is true. We, we live in a world that can beat the dreamer out of us just with its urgency and its commitments and, and its realism. It can grind us down. I saw this amazing series of videos on YouTube not too long ago, last week. They, they come from the uh, the camera, the iPhone camera of a, of a 16-year-old guy who grew up in China. Um, said around that time in his in his life, he he came under the influence of a significant and high-profile American entrepreneur who was talking about the big audacious dreams that he had for changing the world. The young man's name was Yao Yong, and it turned out the entrepreneur who he was following was Bill Gates. Now, I don't know that Bill Gates is quite as prominent now as he was in 2012 when this young man started his journey, but but you will recall that this founder of Microsoft was at one point the richest man in the world. He's not anymore. And one of the reasons that he's not is that he has been giving away sizable portions of his wealth in order to fund transformation projects all over the world, in order to deal with, 
with AIDS and communicable diseases, to set up clean water projects, to, to fund education, particularly for women in areas of the world where that's not been allowed. In addition to his own wealth, he's challenged the wealthiest billionaires in the world to give away half of everything they have. Because once you hit about $10 billion or so, it's impossible to imagine spending it all. So you might as well put it to use. Well, this young man in China, Yao Yong, decides that I want to live the kind of life that he lived. 16, right? Who wouldn't? At 16 years old, he moves from China to North America, and he settles in California. Okay, I guess. But the reason California is his destination is that he sees it as the entrepreneurial capital of the world. This is the anything-is-possible region of the world where new ideas come to birth and come to fruition. We love the stories, right? Those anything-is-possible stories. We, we kind of like those anything-is-possible companies that do amazing things. But we also live in a world where we know that as many as those that succeed, there are many more that fail, and it's just hard. And that's the reality that this young man from China encounters when he gets here. He's got a big dream. He's going to launch a company, but then he goes out to try and secure the venture capital funding, money, in order to make it happen. And the reality that he faces is this. It's emphatic and it's repeated. Absolutely not. No, 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 no. Rejection. Every time he floated his ideas, rejection. And it's such a powerful force, rejection, that it absolutely devastated him. So here's what he does, and you can Google it sometime. Google rejection therapy. He prescribes for himself a course of rejection therapy, thinking if his dream is going to have any chance to survive, he has to somehow insulate himself or inoculate himself from the effects of rejection. So what he's going to do for 100 days is try and put out there the most audacious, crazy requests that he can imagine And knowing that he's going to get rejected, hopefully develop a kind of thick skin that that preserves him in the face of that. (coughs) So for 100 days, just these crazy, outrageous requests, and he documents them with his camera. He goes into a fast food place and says, hey, I know you have uh, have refills on your sodas. Can I get a refill on my burger? No, 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 no. He goes into a pet smart and says, I know you do haircuts. Can I get one that makes me look like a German shepherd? No, 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 no. And, and, And time and time again, these requests go out there that are just crazy, right? Here's what surprised him. Every once in a while, people would say yes. And those are the ones that amazed him. He goes into a Krispy Kreme donut store and he says, I know it's not on your menu, but could I get the Olympic logo as a donut? And she says, yes. This young attendant says, yeah, I mean, come back in about 15 minutes. I'll bake it. We'll color it. We'll figure it out. And and somehow this video of all of them, Americans and their donuts, right? This goes viral. And this is how his story gets picked up with the Krispy Kreme Olympic donut. You can't buy publicity like that if you're Krispy Kreme. And, and, And over the course of this journey through rejection therapy, not only is he learning to handle those negatives, but he's also surprised time and again at some of the some of the anything is possible answers that he gets. So here we are, we're doing this little series about what it looks like to have a church that is infused with a Jesus culture. Everybody is welcome. With Jesus who's perfect, nobody's perfect. With Jesus what's possible? 
anything is possible. Not because of education, and not because of our own ingenuity or cleverness or stuff about us, but once more, because of Jesus. And, and once more in the life of this series, I want to take you back to the well. If you've been here over the past few weeks, you've been here before. But uh, if you're here for the first time, you find this story in your Bibles in the Gospel of John in chapter 4. So flip on your devices, open up your Bibles, have a look here. John chapter 4. Imagine the scene. There's a Samaritan woman. In the heat of the midday sun, she's making her way to the outskirts of town towards one of the, uh, one of the wells. And off in the distance, she sees a man. She recognizes immediately, both from his demeanor, complexion, especially from his wardrobe, that this is a rabbi, dressed in the garb of a rabbi, a Jewish rabbi. And so she knows what's going to happen. The closer she gets, the more he's going to withdraw, because everything in his training had, uh, had led him to the practice of making sure that there is a minimum safe distance between him and not just women, but women of a culture that were deemed to be unacceptable. Half-breeds, miscreants. Much to her surprise, as she draws closer to the well, not only does he not move, but he looks up at her, looks at her face to face. And then to her absolute amazement, he begins to talk to her. And it starts with a request. Remember what the request was? Hey, could you get me a drink? And she responds, John chapter 4, verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to Jesus, hey, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. How is it that you ask me for a drink? And just so the readers are clear, it says in parenthesis, a little note, for Jews didn't associate with Samaritans. That's putting it mildly. I mean, think Serbian, Croatian, think uh, Tutsi and Hutu, or think Palestinian and Jewish. I mean, they they hated each other. Uh, this this request, this audacious, hey, can you draw me a or draw me some water and give me a drink? I mean, that's that's the Krispy Kreme Olympic donut thing magnified a hundred times, right? Yet Jesus asks her, and she doesn't say no, and this conversation begins to develop. Jesus responds back, verse ten. Jesus answered her, "If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's asking you now for a drink." You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, what does that mean? This is Jesus who's asking. Jesus, who will engage in the most amazing and even outrageous requests. He goes on to explain living water. He says in verse 14, Whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become like a spring of water, welling up inside of them to eternal life. Well, that's clear, isn't it? Well, not really. Exactly what does Jesus mean when he talks about this spring of water welling up inside to eternal life? Later on in the Gospel of John, he talks about exactly what this is. So let's fast forward ahead. Turn ahead a few pages to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. Verses 37 to 39. Listen to what Jesus says. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. For whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, by this image, this picture, Jesus meant that the spirit 
whom those who believed in him were later to receive. The idea is this, the living water, a metaphor, a beautiful pictorial metaphor, is meant to represent the power of the living God invested in the lives of human beings. I mean, almost an unthinkable proposition to people in the world that day, even still today, that God will somehow be with you. And the language that we use for that is the Holy Spirit. Holy, because it's God we're talking about. Spirit, because he's able to move freely and fully in the world and in our lives. That God will be with you and give you, give you the ability to face things you couldn't face. I love, I learned this in the old King James language. I don't know, people still who remember learning the old King James version. This is how it was put there. It said, he who believeth in me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow living water. Right? Your belly. I mean, the deepest part, it feels like it's getting to be the deepest part of me too. But for them, that it, it, it's, it's pictorially, it's again this image of the deepest part of us. Even in our day, we still have this sense that this is the core, right? And time and time again, we're inundated with music or with, a, with, with print ads and with visuals, you know, with people with perfect core muscle, the abs, right? And, and for, for, for too many of us, I think that's salvation, right? If I could just get, in fact, let's show the person next to your abs, nobody's perfect right yeah don't do that if you're here for the first time it's not always like this here here's what jesus is getting that that in that place in the deepest part of you i will if you want implant a gift of god the holy spirit to be with you and the holy spirit will comfort you and the Holy Spirit will provide guidance for you. And the Holy Spirit will act like a counselor. And the Holy Spirit can convict you when, you, when you're off track and making mistakes and in order that you can walk more closely with God. The Holy Spirit will activate gifts in your life that are lying dormant. The Holy Spirit will intercede with God on your behalf. And I'm going to give this to you. And so with the eternity hanging in the balance, the woman says, yeah, I kind of like that gift. I, I want the water. And so when she says yes, her life, it doesn't just begin to change. It changes radically. With Jesus, things become possible that were inconceivable to her. The story goes on. The disciples come back. Uh, they're, they're shocked. And there he is talking with a woman that he should not, absolutely not be talking to. No one said anything, but they're all thinking it. It's written on their faces. Why didn't anybody say anything? Because they'd long since learned that with Jesus, there's just there's no politically correct re-steering or re-pointing of him. He's going to do what he needs to do, and often that involves going to unthinkable places. And when he goes, anything is possible. Right? The woman is so fired up about this gift that Jesus is offering that, that she hardly even notices the faces of the disciples who are gathered around her. She decides instead she's going to go back to her village and tell everybody about what's happened. She doesn't even bring the water jar with her. The whole reason for being out there in the middle of the day in the heat to begin with. She leaves the bucket and she goes home with a well inside. Right? Jesus says, go back one point in the, the discussion says, go back and, and bring one person with you. Bring your husband. And even though she wasn't married at the time, she, 
She knew what he was getting at. She goes back to the town. She says to herself, you know what? I can do better than that. I'm not going to bring just one. I'm going to bring the whole town. I'm going to make this request outrageous as it is. I'm going to ask everybody in the town to come and meet him and listen to him. What's the worst that could happen? They could blow me off, but I've been through rejection therapy. Five times men have turned their back on me. It's no problem. I have this this assurance, this living water inside of me. And so we're in verses 28 and 29. It says, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? You see what's going on? I mean, really, this is the first sermon preached in the movement of Jesus. And it's really compelling. It's, it's enthusiastic and it's simple. Come and see. And it's incredibly vulnerable. He knew everything about me. It's Jesus-centered. It's respectful of their intelligence. Could this be the Messiah? What do you think? Come and find out. And it's brief. It's only 14 words long. It's effective. It's powerful. It's vulnerable. It's real. And it's respectful. And it's given by this first century woman of no reputation, married five times, divorced in shame because men turned their back on her. Samaritan, which means wrong theology, (coughs) worshiping in the wrong way, living on the wrong side of the tracks, no money, no status guy she's not even married to has now had to provide for her. It's very interesting. And over the centuries, people, you know, in the church, they've debated and discussed a lot about this kind of question. Should should women be teaching and preaching? And the answer is clear right here. Jesus gives her for the first invitation that goes out evangelistically in the name of, of the church, in the name of Jesus, goes out through this woman. She gives the first message, hey, you ought to meet Jesus. With God, all things are possible. She goes back to the village. She doesn't just tell one person. She tells everybody. And let's look at what happens. Remember, by the way, these are Samaritans. This is a Jewish rabbi. They're going to have to overcome all kinds of barriers to get there. But they do. Look at the response. Verses 39 and 40. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did, she said. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him, they urged Jesus to stay with them, and he stayed for two days. I mean, here's a woman who's just absolutely on fire for Jesus, and you can picture it, right? She's, she's bringing people from the town. Maybe among them are some of her exes. Hey, Jesus, this was husband number one, deadbeat. This is number two intolerable. They don't get along even with each other. You're going to have to work on them a little bit, Jesus, especially that love your enemies thing. Turn the other cheek. Here's numbers three, four, and five, and and I want you to meet number six. I'm not married to. I told him about that verse in the Bible, you know, if you want it, you got to put a ring on it. Gospel according to Beyonce. And I explained, we're going to have to go through changes in our lives. We're going to get some premarital counseling this time. I've moved out. We're going to do this right. I get that stuff. And I'm thinking about starting a divorce recovery ministry, just just with all of my ex-spouses and their ex-spouses. And would that be okay? And yeah, with Jesus, all things are possible. And I realize we can laugh about that stuff, but but some of you have been down roads like that, right? Been divorced. You feel like your life took 
the most unimaginable turns. And you're wondering, is it messed up beyond the place where God can do anything significant with me? God has this amazing way of using sometimes the most broken and vulnerable parts of our story, redeeming them and making them into the most powerful thing about our lives. The Bible puts it this way, and it's a beautiful image. It says, we have this treasure in cracked earthen vessels, and sometimes God works most effectively when he's shining through the cracks in your life. With him, all things are possible. Part of what we see in the story is the progressive discovery of the cosmic Christ. And I don't mean like a new agey thing. Cosmic meaning worldwide. Cosmos is the, the language of the Bible for the whole world. God so loved the world. At the beginning, this woman looks and all she sees is a Jewish male. She sees a little bit more as the story progresses. I see a prophet. And then she sees a little bit more. I know that there's a Messiah coming. Could this be the one? And then it gets even bigger. And at the end of the story, it's actually the Samaritan people who say to the woman, this man really is the savior of the world. It's cosmic. It's one of the greatest titles given to Jesus anywhere in Scripture, the Savior of the world. In fact, there's an ancient description of what's going on in this encounter, and I I love it. This is an ancient commentary that says, First she caught sight of a thirsty man, then a Jew, then a rabbi, after that a prophet, and last of all the Messiah. She tried to get the better of a thirsty man. She showed her dislike of the Jew. She heckled the rabbi, but she was swept off her feet by the prophet, and she came to adore the Messiah. Hmm. People have been praying those audacious, anything-is-possible prayers to God for centuries. Old Abraham, right? God, could I have a child even at this late stage in my life? Moses, I don't know whether it's possible, God, but our people have been languishing under slavery and bondage for so long. Could we be free at last? David, he's big, that Goliath, and he's violent. Any chance that the unthinkable would happen and a boy would prevail? Daniel, I don't like dens filled with lions, Lord. Any chance of escape? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, it's hot in the furnace, Lord. Is it possible that there is a way through? And God says, yes, yes. And then comes Jesus. Lord, can you heal the sick? Can you deliver the oppressed? Can you still the storm? Can you save the sinner? Can you give me water? Anything is possible. Here's where things are going to get just a little bit more practical, a little more personal. Um, Rather than sort of going any deeper with the teaching part, we've been in this text for three weeks now. I want to think about your response. What is your anything is possible prayer? Maybe it's to be used by God in some fresh and powerful way, the way that this woman was. 
Maybe it's to have strength to face a situation in your life that you feel like you just don't have the energy for anymore. Or maybe it's to be given power in your life to resist or overcome a temptation or a pattern that has just been killing you. A broken heart, maybe, that needs to be put back together. Or a broken marriage that that needs to be reconciled. Maybe it's somebody that you love has been torn from you and you're waiting for God to call them back home. Or just that God would touch a part of the world that's desperate to be healed by him. Something you've been carrying around, whatever it is. If God says, I am the God of the impossible, how would you frame a prayer around that thing? If there really are rivers of living water flowing out of the deepest part of us, that should inspire us to write and pray boldly. What's your anything is possible? prayer. So here's the deal. In your order of service, if it didn't fall out already, you have a little card that looks like this. Who we are is the name of the series. Anything is possible. Over the next few minutes, reflectively and worshipfully and prayerfully, I'm going to ask that you write a prayer there. And then when you're done, don't, don't hand it in. Tuck it away in your Bible. Tuck it away in your Bible, and I want you to be able to glance at it from time to time in the weeks, months, and years ahead. I want you to be able to identify, again, that, that sometimes the boldness that we lack is exactly the key that unlocks God's will in our lives. Ask and you shall receive, Jesus says. But how can you know if you never ask? And then every once in a while, when you reach for your Bible and you find this card, You can remember, I don't have to live under rejection anymore. I can just come to the cross of Jesus, the cross which represents our ultimate rejection, the ultimate human rejection of God and God's ultimate acceptance of us. Anything is possible. What is your anything is possible prayer? And as you're doing that quietly, uh, for some of you I recognize this can be a really tough thing. And if it feels heavy on you, for whatever reason, here's what, here's what we're going to do this weekend. I'm just going to stand over here by the well. You can see it, right? Just imagine there's a well in that corner. And if anybody wants to come and pray because we just haven't found the words yet to articulate the prayer, let's do that. As you're quietly worshiping and reflecting and we'll have a little bit of music, uh, maybe you just need to seek out a partner in prayer. And then as you jot down on this piece of paper, the reminder that that Jesus is still an anything-is-possible Savior. We'll place these in a safe place, tuck them away, but carry that truth forward in our hearts. And at the end of a, a few minutes, we'll invite our worship team to come forward and draw our service to a close.